Hey there, and welcome to the Jimmy's Table podcast at jimmystable.com. I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey. I'm curiously evangelical, politically homeless, and a dreamer of small things. On this podcast, I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. So if you have honest questions, aren't afraid to have difficult conversations, and want to have a little fun along the way, then pull up a chair. This podcast is for you. So today's episode 172 of the jimmystable.com podcast, and I'm going to talk about how online dating is ruining dating, as well as provide about a dozen tips or so uh, for dating. It's going to be kind of another long podcast this week. If you didn't listen to last week's podcast, I highly recommend you do so as well, uh, which I talked about the struggles and blessings of being single again over 40. And I promised to follow up with a podcast this week in which I have decided to talk about online dating and to share some of my own personal stories uh, that have helped shape my understanding of online dating. For those of you who may be unaware, about a year and a half ago, I got separated and this past summer got divorced. Um, And in this past year, I decided to give my hand after... Uh, eight years of marriage to dating again, um, and specifically, primarily, um, dating as a result of online dating. And I've learned something in this experience. Dating ain't what it used to be. And of course, some of this is a result of simply being older and having more baggage and, and, and dating people who also are older and have more baggage. But I think I've also discerned a difference in dating that's not strictly due to baggage and age-related issues. I think some of it is due to a fundamental transformation that has happened in our culture. And I think a lot of that transformation has happened because of the technology associated with online dating apps. So today's podcast, I'm going to talk about all these things. Uh, But before I get into my theory of why online dating is hard and how it's uh, my conspiracy theory about the dating apps and how it's transforming our culture and providing some tips of dating, I'm just going to share a couple fun backstories because, well, you know, I wanted some terrible dates and I earned the right to. So (laughs) so here we go. Let's let's talk about uh, a couple bad stories about dating. But before I say that. Uh, I'm not saying this is somebody who's jaded about the entire process. Uh, most of the dates I have been on have been mediocre dates at best uh, with perfectly pleasant people that just didn't happen to work out. I've had a, of the 15 different women I've gone on a date with this past year. Um, I would say I had two or three really good dates um, and uh, with a couple of different women. And I had two or three really bad dates and then just a bunch of in the middle forgettable experiences who, you know, I can't recall anything of because they were just so mediocre. But I digress. So let me go ahead and sh- share some more stories if, if you, if you uh, don't mind. So my first bad date story comes from somebody who was actually appeared to be quite a lovely woman, but I've learned a thing or two 
while on the date that uh, I had been a little misled regarding um, before the date. So there was this lovely woman from the country of Ecuador who decided that uh, she wanted to go out with me. And, and she had told me up front that she had recently immigrated to the United States, uh, but that she was here on a visa um, and looking to hopefully settle down long term uh, in the United States. Uh, the date itself was actually pretty pleasant. Uh, she was a nice person. She was beautiful. Uh, she had a charming and engaging personality. Um, and you could tell about how excited she was to be here in America. America, what a country. For example, on our date, uh, we went to this uh, wine bar and she was blown away at the selection of wine. And, and we went to and we ordered a, a charcuterie board and she was just blown away by the fact that people could put 10 types of different meats and cheese on a board and just order it. Because she said in Ecuador, where she was from, no such thing existed. And uh, that you, even if it did, you wouldn't be able to afford it because she only made $500 a month while working for the government in Ecuador. Uh, that is U.S. dollars. And, uh, you know, she said she'd never been to anywhere that had more than three beer selections in her entire life in Ecuador. And so she's just blown away about all the opportunities that are in America and our capitalist system and our abundance of wealth and, and all those things. So it was a pretty cool date in that regard. Then a secret came out. I, I sought clarification about uh, how she was here and uh, how long she intended to stay in the United States. Because, you know, that's going to be kind of an important detail if I'm looking to get married again, right? <laughs> you know, I don't want to have to battle immigration and customs over uh, the love of my life. Potentially. And, uh, well, it turns out she wasn't exactly 100% truthful with me about her immigration status. Yes, she did come here on a visa. But she came here on a temporary six months visitor's visa. But she told me that as a visitor, she had decided that she was going to overstay her visitor's visa. And that she was currently working illegally under the table. So even though I'm this very sympathetic, uh, libertarian sort of guy who thinks we have the most weird backwards uh, immigration system possible and that we should have a very generous open borderline open borders type policy when it comes to immigration, whether you'd like that idea or not, don't get distracted. Um, but I believe we should have a very generous immigration policy that allows for as many people that want to come and work here to try to come and do that. But she decided that while she was here on a visitor's visa, that she was simply going to overstay her visa and she was planning on doing so. And that she was currently working illegally under the table because if you work here, if you're here on a visitor's visa in the United States, you're not allowed to work. But she chose to do such anyway. And then I also told her my brother in law was a police officer in the town next door. <laughs> Uh, so that wasn't a horrible date, but it is quite the news bomb, uh, to drop in somebody's lap and that she was just so nonchalant about wanting to be an illegal immigrant who was going to overstay her visa. Um, you know, kind of made the entire date kind of suspect. And even though she was a lovely person, I consider that 
a really bad date uh, when you are unknowingly dating somebody who is admitting to wanting to stay in this country illegally. And while I don't fault her, I would probably try to do the same if I were in her shoes um, and understanding the situation of the country where she came from and how difficult of a time she had trying to immigrate here over the years. Um, you know, that's something I'm ultimately just... That's a deal breaker for me. That's a big red flag. When somebody tells you they're in the country illegally and plan on staying illegally, um, I don't know, even the libertarian sympathizer that I am, uh, yeah, that's just, that's just a no-go right there. So another date that I went on early on in my dating process uh, was with this one person who seemed pretty nice and seemed to check a lot of the check boxes when I was talking to her online. But when I got onto the date, we decided to meet up at this pizza place uh, in this uh, cool little town near Charlotte. And uh, we went there and she, first of all, she showed up late. Second of all, she had a really, really hard time finding the place even though it was the only pizza place in that area. Uh, but then third, when she got there, she uh, was kind of flustered and she started to vent about how much she hated her job. And it wasn't just one job that she was working. She was working three and that she really hated her job and that she was also volunteering in a church and that she was really burnt out from volunteering at her church. And, and then she talked about how broke she was and that she didn't know what she was going to do for money and how much she hated her roommates and and uh, she wanted to change her career but didn't know what to do and and she had been in and out of college nine different times in her life and when I asked her well that's quite unusual how many why did you drop out each time and why did you go back and her response was simply she didn't know <laughs> And I was like, well, usually that's a pretty big decision for most people that you don't know. Uh, that's kind of an unusual thing. And then uh, I asked her what she wanted to be uh, when she grew up. And she responded uh, that she wanted to be a trophy wife. You know, at least she was honest about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> At least she was honest about what she was really looking for. I mean, usually most women would keep that to themselves or save that for much deeper into the relationship uh, to, to say, I want to be a trophy wife. But uh, that was her ultimate goal. And even though while she was a perfectly nice person, I will say she definitely wasn't trophy wife material. Um, in fact, she could barely pay attention on our date, she kept getting distracted by whatever football game was on TV at the time. And, and she would try to pretend to have a conversation uh, with me. But the entire time, she kept looking up at the corner where the TV was at the pizza place and was totally disengaged and seemed totally disinterested. And even though she was, you know, seemingly a nice person who, you know, had a, a big heart about some things, uh... The trophy wife thing was really a deal breaker. And it's possible she was trying to be funny. And I want to find that it was funny. <laughs> but I couldn't really tell because she was so stressed out about her life and her situation. Um, it seemed like a very plausible theory that she was sharing uh, with me that uh, trophy wife was one of her 
career aspirations at the end of the day. And for me, as much as I wouldn't mind having a trophy wife, but that would also require me to have a lot of money, <laughs> uh, I just decided I'm going to I'm going to pass on this one. So so we, we didn't go out again. And the third story, let me just say, was by far the worst date I've ever been on since being back out in the field and dating again. Um, and let me just say, the comments regarding this date are going to be a little PG-13. So if you have some kids listening or you're a little sensitive to some things, I'm just going to put this out there as a little disclaimer. Uh, it's a little PG-13, but I'm going to choose to be raw and unfiltered here for the sake of of just sharing the story because this is exactly how it played out. And uh, it's too funny not to share. So and this, this, this particular story taught me a very important life lesson. So I go on this date and I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about this date. We, we didn't do a lot of talking online at first. We just decided, hey, let's go ahead and go out on a date. So we decided to go out to this uh, nice wine charcuterie bar type place and uh she shows up and i discover something very quickly i'm kind of being catfished and that's been something that's been very rare in my experiences with dating i'm being catfished and by catfished i mean she ends up ultimately misrepresenting herself because when she shows up it's clear from her online photos that her online photos are five years and 50 pounds ago and while I don't mind, uh, you know, somebody who looks a little older and I don't mind a woman that has a few extra pounds on her as, as a guy who also has a few extra pounds on him. I'm, I'm not hating against curvy women, um, but, you know, it's just this thing where it's kind of like, you know, if you show one set of pictures online saying this is who you are, you should actually be that person that shows up to the date because it really makes it pretty confusing. Uh, and personally speaking, I realized that the, the current version of her is somebody that I was really not ideally physically attracted to. Um, but I decided to go ahead and continue the date anyway, saying, well, you know, I know sometimes people have this sort of whatever when it comes to picking their pictures and stuff, and maybe they don't have a lot of great pictures, but let's just go ahead and see if this is a fantastic person. Well, find out. No. <laughs> uh, being a mortgage underwriter for a living, she wanted to know a little bit about my job. And then we went into this long thing for about 45 minutes where she asked me nothing but mortgage-related questions because she was trying to figure out if she should buy her first house or not. Um, and she described... Uh, a lot of scenarios that made me realize not only is she boring me to death talking about the math equations that I use uh, at work to determine the qualifications for a mortgage application, um, but she wasn't too bright on top of not looking very good. <laughs> you know, it made me realize that this woman who also claimed to be a financial professional didn't even possess very basic math skills. But that's not even the worst of it. The worst of it starts happening when all of a sudden she decides to start questioning me regarding my divorce and what I am looking for in a relationship and what I'm looking for in the future. Well, she questions me about my divorce and I tell her 
the painful, difficult reasons for my divorce, and, and I was very candid about it. And I wish not to disclose those reasons in the public because I just don't want to air that dirty laundry uh, on this podcast quite yet. Um, but let's just say I got a divorce and it was based on biblical grounds, if you can get my drift. Um, and I explained this to her and she's like, oh, and she looks at me and she's just like, was the sex not very good? And frankly, that was uh, <laughs> just the beginning of the terrible parts of the date. Uh, it's, it's very weird to, to explain to somebody the reasons for why your wife left you and then to be questioned about whether or not the, your sex life with her was great because, you know, she, she theorized right in front of me out loud. Uh, she went in there theorized, well, you know, it doesn't make any sense why she would leave you unless the sex wasn't good because a woman's just not going to uh, leave a good man. And you seem like you're a good man. So unless the sex isn't good, I just don't understand why she would leave you. And that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and then I sat there and wondered why she was single still. <laughs> but it gets better or worse, depending on your uh, perspective. And so, uh, yeah, um, from there, I, I explained to her, I was like, no, it wasn't a matter of uh, the sex. It was, you know, I didn't even, I should have just told her it was none of her business and ended the date promptly. Uh, but I decided at this point that the genie was out of the bottle and I might as well explore this for all the possibilities of life and all the hilarities that may come out of this uh, date. And so uh, I was just like, well, no, it's just that I believe because there are some underlying issues uh, that got really deep that uh, ultimately led to us uh, uh, going through a divorce. Um, it wasn't a matter so much of uh, the sex, at least not to me, um, but uh, it was... A matter of these other issues. And she's just like, oh, I still don't think that makes any sense. But so anyway, so we continue to have the conversation and she wants to know if I was open to the possibility of having children. And I was just like, yeah, ideally, I would like to have children. I know that's not uh, necessarily something that's a guarantee. Um, you know, I was married for eight years and didn't have children and we struggled with infertility issues. Um, I'm capable of having children, but, uh, you know, I remain open to it. But I would really like to, if it's possible, um, you know, that it's important to me that whoever I end up with at least possibly be open to the idea of having children if they don't have children already. Um, and she looked at me and she's just like, well, I think you're too old to have children. Mind you, I'm 39 years old at the time of this date. And I look at her, I was like, too old, huh? She's like, yeah, you're too old to have children. And, and honestly, she's like, and she's 37. She's like, at my age, I just don't know. This is where it gets a little PG-13. Um, she's just like, I just think that if I'm going to do that to my vagina that, that uh, and have your baby that, uh, you know, you're going to have to become my slave. And I laugh. <laughs> and I laugh very hard. But then she looks at me and she's like, I'm not kidding. I, that wasn't meant to be funny. I was like, oh, well, do tell. What do you mean? And she's just like, well, if I'm going to have a baby and I'm going to 
destroy my vagina in order to have your baby. Um, it's very important to me that my man take care of me and that uh, he becomes my slave and that I shouldn't have to ever work again and that he should hire a maid and a nanny um, and that I should just sit around all day and watch TV while he goes out and works and I stay home and, and, and raise his baby because, after all, he made my body get destroyed and he destroyed my vagina. And all I could sit there and think this entire time, I didn't say this part out loud, but I was like, wow, you apparently have a very magical vagina. <laughs> At least you think you do. Um, and uh, so, yeah, uh, that date went on for a while. And uh, I decided to double down on the hilarity uh, there. And I did some more stuff that I'm not going to mention because I can't mention it without... Uh, getting too much into detail about some things I'd rather not share for my personal life. Um, but uh, let's just say that was uh, quite per that was definitely the worst date I've been on and since uh, getting back into the world of dating. Um, and unfortunately, that date went on for a very long time because our waiter was extremely slow at this wine bar. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's, that's a date that I decided from then on out that I was going to start carrying uh, enough cash on me to put money down on the table and walk away. And consider that a pro tip uh, going forward for those of you who are exploring the world of dating. Uh, always bring enough physical cash on you so that if all else fails and you feel the need to hit the eject button on your date, that you don't have to sit there and endure a terrible date um, that you can just nice and quietly put money on the table and walk away. So, those are some three stories that I just thought I'd share. And now having shared these th three stories to appease my audience who's just dying to know, several of you were just like, oh, Jimmy, I want to hear the stories uh, in response to my uh, podcast last week. I thought I'd share those three stories. Uh, don't get me wrong, there was, for, for the three bad dates, I had three pretty good dates. Uh, I met some great women, and then I had a bunch of mediocre dates uh, in between. Altogether, I've been out with about 15 different women in the past year, um, which I'm told is quite a bit. Um, but uh, those are some of the three memorable experiences that I've had while being the MVP of the minor leagues over here. <laughs> um, so now with that said, I want to move on to the next segment of this podcast, which is going to be why online dating is hard. So I have this theory. Online dating apps are transforming and ruining our dating culture. That's not to say dating has always been this awesome experience in our society, but I believe that online dating websites and apps are transforming our culture in a way that makes contemporary dating even worse for a lot of people. Of course, though, unfortunately, it's kind of hard to avoid dating online. Because unless you meet your significant other in school or at church or at work, or you get randomly picked up at a bar or a coffee shop, the older you get, you'll find that there's smaller and smaller circles for you to find a potential mate from. 
Not only because most people tend to get married in their mid-20s to mid-30s, but because society has also changed and we live increasingly isolated lives. Meeting someone the old-fashioned way becomes more and more of a challenge in our society as our social circles get smaller and smaller. As a result, people have turned to online dating apps to find that special someone because they just don't know where they can meet someone otherwise. And I will say that uh, prior to getting married over 10 years ago, uh, I used online dating apps quite a bit. Uh, I was definitely an early participant in the little social experiment. And uh, I used them because I was traveling a bit for work and meeting somebody at home when I was on the road three to four days a week uh, was pretty difficult. So I would use online dating apps to find matches. And then I would come home and uh, date whoever I matched with during the week. Um, and through that process, I actually ended up meeting my ex-wife through eHarmony.com. Dr. Neil Warren said we had the 32 dimensions of compatibility uh, that make for a long, sustaining relationship. And uh, I think he was mostly right, but uh, user results may vary, <laughs> to say the least. So, with that said, uh, I think the, there's a problem, though, with online dating apps. Dating apps skew heavily towards women. And I think that fundamentally, as a result, makes many women spoiled for choice. Because at the end of the day, there's significantly more guys than women on these dating apps on a ratio basis. For example, for example, the most popular dating app on the internet out there is called Tinder. Uh, and, and on Tinder, 75% of the users are men. And men end up liking 61.9% of the profiles they view. <laughs> Whereas women, which make up only 25% of the user base, only end up liking a mere 4.5% of men. So if you do the math there, you can kind of see where, uh, you know, women can take this entire, it's raining men, philosophy towards dating apps. Um, of course, Tinder represents an extreme, but they are the largest dating app out there. Other dating apps like Match.com tend to be less extreme and much more balanced with closer to 50 to 50 ratios of men and women. But uh, with Tinder being the most popular dating app, such shows that there's this uphill battle that a lot of guys are experiencing and facing on dating apps. There's also the infamous so-called 80-20 rule that says that 80% of women like primarily the top 20% of guys on any of these dating apps. So as a man, unless you are judged to basically be an Adonis and the best of the best, uh, the, the amount of matches you get will probably be relatively low, whereas all the women are trying to compete for the guys who are six feet tall, make six figures, and have a six-pack of abs. Uh, and all the rest, well, yeah, it's a little bit more thin pickings uh, for all the people who don't uh, fall into that Adonis alpha male type category. <laughs> uh, yet, in spite of the odds being stacked against the guys, women are ultimately having the choice of the best of men, um, and men aren't having the same in return. And I've noticed something, though, in, in this experience that I've had with the online dating apps. 
If you use the dating apps long enough, you'll eventually see a lot of the same women in any area across multiple apps. There are several women I've seen, attractive women that fat, um, who I've even tried matching with, who, or some of them I've even gone on dates with, who, you know, in spite of meeting me, <laughs> uh, or in spite of probably meeting uh, some other guys as well, in spite of being spoiled for choice and having an endless series of likes and messages from guys that largely are fawning over them, um, you'll see that women just aren't settling down with any of these guys. And they're not la entering into any long-lasting relationships. In spite of being single, and in, in spite of being spoiled for choice, many of these re women remain single and have a hard time finding a guy. And there could be more, many, many reasons for this. But I can't help but wonder if many feel so spoiled for choice that they are rejecting a lot of otherwise good men, holding out perpetually for an even better man who meets all their criteria. It's a kind of a classic case of a, the perfect being the enemy of the good and looking for the perfect and not accepting the good. And doing so, they, a lot of women remain perpetually single and never find Mr. Right. As a result, women keep hopping from one app to the next in search of Prince Charming and seldom finding anybody that they feel happy with. And I don't think this is a woman's fault per se, or even necessarily the fault of the men they meet up with. I mean, granted, I'm sure there's some real losers out there. Um, and I definitely, you know, have heard women complain about some of the guys that they meet up with on these dating apps. Um, I'm not trying to assign any fault here to women or men. But, you know, I can see here how the apps might be reprogramming our brains. After all, especially from a woman's perspective, if there's seemingly an innumerable amount of fish in the sea and you're spoiled for choice and you always seem to have an endless series of likes and your message box every day when you log into the app, you'll be tempted to keep going back out for more in search of Prince Charming. But whereas before online dating existed, when you think about it, the average person in their lifetime might only have the opportunity to date a handful of people. But online dating has given people the opportunity to date dozens, if not hundreds of people. And online dating as a result, especially I believe for women, makes them feel like there's just this endless supply of people to date. And if you go out just with a few more guys, you might meet the right person. So here's my conspiracy theory about dating apps. I believe most of these dating apps are doing everything they can to generate repeat customers instead of helping people find meaningful relationships. Yes, there are the exceptions to this, such as eHarmony, um, who seems to be genuinely geared towards trying to actually make long-lasting relationships that end in marriage, because that's kind of the purpose of the app. Um, but I think for the average dating app, they feel that these companies, the more frustration that they cause the more romantic frustration that they cause people, ultimately, the more money they'll make. So the algorithms increasingly bring people together who aren't really great matches and hopes that they can keep them coming back 
for more and more. And while it's still possible to meet someone, have a relationship, and get married as a result of these dating apps, after all, I did once, and I've known other people that have, even from some of the uh, less, uh, you know, less praiseworthy dating apps. Um, these apps are often sucking, I believe, the humanity out of our possible romantic relationships. They encourage you and program you to make split-second decisions about whether you possibly like somebody and would like to get to know them. You'll be presented with a series of three or four, five images, maybe a basic paragraph's length worth of biography about them, uh, maybe some raw data about them, where they live, their age, and whether or not they want children, whether or not they smoke, and what religion they are. Uh, but you get all of that in a split second. And you'll have a split second to make a decision about a possible lifelong love based off interacting with somebody for just five seconds. And, and given a couple minutes on the app, you'll easily review dozens of profiles and photos and quickly scan through many bios um, before you find somebody you're possibly interested in. So you got to think. How does that mess with our minds? If we can sit there and think, oh, I saw this picture of them, not the most flattering, swipe left, I don't want them. Uh, oh man, they have a sloppy bedroom uh, mirror photo with the, the unmade bed in the background, oh, swipe left. Ah oh, man, a, a gym photo, a picture of them holding a fish, ah, oh, swipe left. You know, all these photos and stuff that cause us to make these split second decisions about people in which, you know, hopefully people present themselves at their best and for some reason they often don't on these apps. Um, they may often have bad photos and write very poorly about themselves or very briefly and just in a very non-engaging way. Um, but so you go through all these apps. Well, just think how that has to be messing with your brain. If you're seeing dozens of potential mates and you just swipe left on all of them, say reject, 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 reject. Well, it, it, that doesn't happen in real life. When you compare, that doesn't happen out there in the real world. You're not constantly meeting one person after the another, after another, after another, after another, after another. Uh, when you're trying to meet somebody the old-fashioned way, even in a bar, you wouldn't have that much opportunity to meet uh, that many people in such a short period of time and make a split-second decision about whether or not you want to spend a happily ever after with them forever and ever. <laughs> so. When you contrast this to how possible romantic encounters happen in the offline world, apart from guys that are trying to pick up women at bars, a lot of meeting somebody the old-fashioned way usually involves meeting someone who shares the same social circles you do and involves meeting somebody at least a handful of times and getting to know someone at a deeper level before you probably even realize that you have chemistry with them. And that one of those people gets the nerve to ask you out on a date. So we have these dating apps that are, we're looking for an instant hit of dopamine and some sort of chemistry to say, ooh, I like that one there, not this one here. Whereas in real life, usually, while we might feel an initial attraction to somebody that we meet the old-fashioned way that causes us to want to get to know them uh, more, you know, usually you're not making split-second decisions over that. Usually you're going to meet somebody at least a few times before you sit there and think, you know, I don't want to ask them out. And you might want to observe them for a while, especially if they are in the same social circle as you, before you get the, the, the gall to ask them out just simply because 
you know, you know that asking somebody out in your social circle could have social implications. Um, and so you might be careful about who you ask out. Traditional dating is usually a slow and organic process where the sizing up of a possible mate isn't a flippant decision made on the whim as it is with online dating apps. Where you make dozens of decisions in less than five minutes. Online dating, I believe, makes us more flippant towards people, treating them as a mere commodity or a checklist of ideas instead of an actual, real-life human being made in the image of God and being someone that could forever change your world. And I believe as a result of this online dating phenomenon that we experience, people easily grow bored and jaded with the entire experience. And even though they agree to, to talk to people and like people and start messaging people and possibly go on dates with people, um, the interest level often is very low. You'd be surprised how many women I've talked to on online dating apps where it seems like they're just going through the motions. Or how many women I've met actually for a date who seem like they're bored before they even showed up and that they weren't excited to be going out with me to begin with, yet there they were. Um, so instead of having a possible romantic encounter with somebody the old-fashioned way, um, where meeting somebody and going on a date with somebody is actually kind of a rare thing. Because online dating offers this sea of unlimited opportunities out there, it makes us treat other people as really easily disposable and easily forgettable and easily somebody we can just you know, say, oh, I went on a date with him and move on. And you get to the point where you don't even remember who it was anymore that you went on a date with. Whereas if you met somebody the old-fashioned way, you're probably going to remember who it was that you went on a date with and all that led up to that. So instead of making this complicated series of steps and a dance that we engage with as we select a possible mate by meeting somebody the old-fashioned way, through online dating, everything is ultimately reduced to a transaction that requires no more thought than placing an order for a cup of coffee at Starbucks. <laughs> we'll quickly decide whether we like someone or not. And if we don't, we always know we, we can just order something else. Am I right? And as a result of online dating, I don't believe that we bring the full weight of seriousness to our romantic encounters with what that situation actually demands. Because there's so little invested in, in what we're doing and we know that this person is easily disposable and easily somebody we can forget and ignore for the rest of our days and somebody that we'll never run into likely again. As a result, even when we do make a match online, we engage in low-level conversations and messages with these people. We don't bring the full weight of our personality out on a date. And we give short, disinterested responses to one another. Especially if you are with somebody who has a high number of matches and just knows that they can easily find the next guy, then why bother deep diving with somebody when you are so busy having the same conversation with a thousand other people? You know? And then when we do actually manage to go on a date with somebody, and especially if you go on a lot of them, 
you'll find yourself not putting your best foot forward. I can't tell you how many people I've gone on dates with who clearly were not trying to dress their best, or they were late, or they treated me rudely, or some other thing. They weren't putting their best foot forward. They didn't look at this as a real absolute opportunity and a chance encounter to possibly change their life. They didn't bring their full game to the date. And as a result, a lot of these dates just ended up being lackluster at best. Um, And my guess, though, my theory is that this probably wouldn't probably happen as often for people who engage in more traditional real-world dating, where meeting somebody you're willing to go on a date with takes longer, in which there are more meaningful steps and interactions that cause you to take the actual date seriously. It almost feels like online dating companies today really aren't invested in making sure that you find a long-term romantic match Rather, they are more interested in creating long-term customers who come back month after month and switch app after app for maybe even a year or more. According to data, online dating industry is a $4.2 billion annual industry that thrives on repeat customers. And it thrives especially on men, men who are often forced to pay higher cost for a subscription and then have to pay for things like prioritized likes for boost for higher rankings and the pecking order on these dating apps and ways to get ahead of the curve on the algorithm. Otherwise, these dating apps threaten to bury you and make sure you never get seen. Um, So it can be easy for a guy to spend literally hundreds of dollars on dating apps just to get on a few dates. And companies like uh, The Match Group, which owns 45 different dating companies, including Match.com, Tinder, Hinge, OkCupid, Plenty of Fish, Upwards, and others, I gotta just help, can't help but believe that with having such a large concentration and monopoly of the dating market, that they're all about creating people who have a frustrated experience on one dating app and think, ah, my salvation lies in this other dating app. Never mind, you're going to see the same group of people and you're just going to have to keep coming back for more, as I like to tell my mom, until the inventory refreshes (laughs) and you find a new group of people to possibly match with. Um, You're going to be forced to just keep putting another quarter in the jukebox uh, in hopes that you finally get Uh, the song that you like. So that's my conspiracy theory about dating apps and why online dating is hard and how online dating apps are ruining dating. But now with that said, I want to turn briefly. uh, I know I've been with you 43 minutes so far. I want to turn with you briefly. Uh, I'll try to keep this less than 20 minutes, Lord willing. I want to turn to you briefly about some tips for dating, things that I've personally practiced, things that I've read and heard from others, um, things that I've theorized about dating, because whether you like it or not, you're probably going to have to use online dating. I'm currently taking a break from online dating. Um, 
I, I've tried several, I've tried a couple times for a couple months at a time and I'm just, you know, kind of burned on it right now. So uh, I'm taking a break from it. Hopefully, Lord willing, I can meet some people the old fashioned way. Um, wouldn't mind doing that actually. Um, but it's hard and I just realized that, you know, online dating is going to require um, some strategy when I do go back to it. Um, but so let me provide you some tips for dating. And this applies primarily for online stuff, but I think it also has some uh, parallels for more traditional dating. First of all, of the 13 uh, suggestions I'm going to keep here for today. First tip, chase excellence, not women. Simply put, be the best version of yourself. Focus on you and your goals. Um, have a strategy in your life. Be ambitious. Be pursuing something. Be making your life a better version of the life that you had yesterday than you had yesterday. Don't be desperate. Ultimately, know your self-worth and what you bring to the table. Uh, know that you are a person pursuing excellence um, and that you're not focusing on uh, chasing after women, but that you're just trying to just live the best life that you can. Um, and knowing that, I think that should, without being copy, you know, without being cocky about it, if you are truly pursuing excellence in your life and trying to be the best version of yourself and have a growth mindset um, and aren't acting like some desperate fool, um, then when you go on a date, you'll ultimately realize that you are a catch. And that you can bring the best version of yourself to the date. And that you don't have to get nervous about the entire encounter. Um, because, as I like to say, if anybody should be nervous on a date, your date should be nervous for getting to meet you. And not the other way around. <laughs> and again, I say that in utter humility. But I will say, as somebody who's lived a little bit of life and somebody who's been through plenty of Good dates, bad dates, awkward dates, and dates in which I was very nervous um, and a total mess. Uh, in fact, I can remember the first date I ever went on uh, when I was 17 years old, and I got so nervous that I had to excuse myself and go to the bathroom and throw up. <laughs> so, I know a thing or two about being nervous on a date, but you're not going to be nervous on a date because you're not chasing women, you're chasing excellence in your life. Um, you're trying to be the best version of yourself. You're going to know what you bring to the table. Um, if in anything, anybody gets nervous, it should be them. But, you know, I hope at the same time they aren't nervous because hopefully, hopefully in your chasing excellence, you attract somebody who's also chasing excellence and who doesn't get nervous around you. But, you know, you can't blame them, right? <laughs> And I say that in humility, truly. And you might be sitting there thinking, oh, gosh, I know why he's still single. No, no, no. If you're still thinking that's why I'm still single, then you clearly don't know me. <laughs> uh, anyway, I kid, I kid, I digress. Um, point number two, date with a purpose. Don't just date to date or date to avoid feeling alone. And don't get me wrong. I went on some dates of the 15 women I went on dates with this past year. There's some definite dates being, re, you know, newly divorced and everything that I went on in which I was just happy to be on a date with somebody that other than my ex-wife in which I wanted to get out there and test the waters to, just to enjoy the companionship and company of a woman who was looking at me over coffee or dinner or, or what have you. Um, so I went on a couple of those 
dates that are almost like pity dates for me, for lack of a better term. Um, but I went on some dates just to avoid feeling alone. Of course, I only did that a couple times because I realized, man, these, you know, dating ain't cheap and my time is worth something. So I decided to eventually change that. But I get it. Whatever you do, though, date with purpose. Don't just go out with somebody just to go out with somebody. Um, you know, have, have, have an idea of who you want. I have an idea of what goals you have for your life. And date somebody that fits in that picture. Tip number three. If you do online dating, avoid sites like Tinder or Plenty of Fish, which are full of fake profiles, um, are full of ways to separate a fool from their money, in which the, the uh, as I mentioned earlier, 75% male, 25% female. And, you know, you could sit there and think, huh, man, if I'm a woman, I want to be on Tinder. Well, I will tell you, most of the guys, in case you don't know, that go on Tinder are primarily to go on Tinder for one thing and one thing alone. Uh, so unless you're going there for uh, a hookup, um, that's not to say people don't have meaningful relationships that they meet on Tinder with. But let's just be real. Sites like Tinder and Plenty of Fish, yes, people do go on actual dates with the intent of finding uh, Mr. Right or Mrs. Right um, on those dating apps just simply because of the large plethora of people on those dating apps. But let's get real, most guys on Tinder, 61% of them are liking, or most guys, of the 75% of the population that's, that's male on there, of the men that are on Tinder, they like 61% of dating profiles. So think about that. That means they're swiping on more than half the people on there in hopes that they get a response. And why would they be doing that? Is there any way that they could be attracted to that many women in reality? Probably not. But they're hoping that they can get whatever they can get. And if they're just looking for a hookup, well, guess what? They're just going to be swiping right on a lot of profiles. Um, so if you go on places like Tinder or Plenty of Fish, uh, beware of uh, what's out there. Uh, but websites, from my experience, like Hinge, Bumble, eHarmony, and Match, and Upward. And Upward being a Christian dating website, and it's much better, by the way, than christianmingle.com, which is pretty much uh, a ghost town these days and is a really bad dating service. <laughs> uh, go to Upward instead. Um, but these are Hinge, Bumble, eHarmony, Match, and Upward. These are your better bets. Um, but like I previously mentioned, several of these uh, apps are owned by the same people. So, you know, you, while it's probably not a bad idea to try to use two of them, don't go too crazy. Uh, just pick one or two good dating apps and stick with it because guess what? You're going to see the same people on the other dating apps all over again. So why go there and pay money to see the, the same people you've already seen somewhere else? And with that said, try to pay as little as possible. Um, when you put your dating profile together, take excellent high-quality photos. Um, no bathroom mirror selfies or selfies with your messy bed in the background. No photos of you holding a fish. Why people do these things, I don't know. I really don't. It's kind of crazy. Take some great pictures of you. Get a friend to take some great pictures of you. If you want to, go hire a photographer for like 200 bucks to take half a dozen headshots and full body shots of you so that you can get out there. Take good quality photos. Take your dating seriously. Put your best foot forward. 
Don't have your messy bed in the background. Don't have somebody sitting on the john in the background. Like, my Lord, people, use some common sense. <sighs> End rant. <laughs> oh, yeah, side note. Don't put pictures up of you and your kids. There are perverts out there. Don't advertise your kids. It's one thing if you admit that you have kids in your dating profile. But really, seriously, try not to put pictures of them out there. There are perverts out there. And don't think that perverts aren't going to try to use you to try to get to your kids. I know that's probably going to be very rare. That's probably only going to be one out of a thousand guys. But don't expose your kids to that sort of risk. Don't put them out there. They should not be seen by anybody but you. And oh yeah, don't be lazy. Take time to write excellent introductions to yourself. Be picky about who you match with. Discard people who show low effort in their profiles and people who respond with short, vague, three-word responses and people who never ask questions in return. And if they ask questions about you, I'm sorry, if they don't ask any questions about you, guess what? They're not really interested because people who are interested in you will ask about you. And people who don't, they'll have three-word responses. And I actually called somebody out on this recently <laughs> that I was talking to not too long ago. They... I was writing like a good paragraph to some things and I would ask them a question in return and they would be like, oh yeah, that's great. Or, oh no, I don't like that. And, and uh, yes, I enjoy my job, you know. And that was all the responses. And finally I said to them, uh, how come all your responses are only three or less words? Is there a reason for that? Do you have, do, can you, can you write more? <laughs> Uh, and they said, pardon? And I was like, exactly. Uh, and they unmatched me shortly after that. So anyway, um, you're going to have encounters like that out there. So um, if people aren't engaging, if people don't take time and effort to put together a meaningful profile, don't take such people seriously. Don't go on dates with them. Don't match with them. Just swipe left and keep moving on. Find somebody who is actually putting forth the effort um, and not just dumping a couple crappy photos of them online, you know, unmatch them and move on if, uh, if they match with you. Tip number four, get input from friends and family, you know, have one or two people that you show your uh, matches with who you get feedback for. You ask them, what do you think of this person? Ask them, have that somebody in your life that you can be candid with and have those decisions. And I think that's necessary because sometimes when it comes to dating, we can make some dumb decisions. Um, so have at least one or two people that are happy to help you screen all the people that you match with. Um, and just like you should never go grocery shopping when you are hungry, I believe that we also make bad romantic decisions when we feel lonely or romantically frustrated. So if you feel lonely or romantically frustrated one day and you're just swiping right on everybody, you know, instead of us, you know, doing that, <laughs> at least let one of your friends review some of your matches and just be like, oh, Jimmy, what were you thinking? She's a total bow wow. <laughs> you know, you, you don't want to come off desperate. You don't want to make bad decisions. You want to make somebody a decision with somebody that's actually good. Um, so, you know, have somebody help you screen these things because you're going to have moments of feeling lonely and romantically frustrated and you're probably going to swipe on some people that you wouldn't have otherwise considered. Tips number five. Dare I say it? Dare I say it? But looks matter. 
And that's not to be shallow. Because there's nothing shallow about being attract, admitting who you are attracted to. <laughs> but we must keep in mind, if you're on a dating app and your intent is to get married one day, and I hope that's your intent if you're on the dating apps, you're looking to be involved in a committed, lifelong sexual relationship with somebody. So, with that said, I think it goes without saying, you should find your romantic interest sexually attractive. You're not just looking for a roommate, right? Right? <laughs> You're not just looking for a roommate. And while it's true that looks will fade and change over time, physical attraction is important. That's not to say everybody needs to be a 10. Not everybody can be a Tom Brady. Not everybody can be a Giselle. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't find the person you're going out with physically attractive. Because if they're not physically attractive to you, your interest level is always going to remain superficial. Uh, and you're never going to have this strong attraction and desire. And you're not going to get what you want from a relationship. And you're also, if you get married to them, you're not going to be able to provide them ultimately what they're looking for in a relationship. Because at the end of the day, our hearts want to feel love and to give love. And we want to feel needed and wanted and desired sexually. And that person does too. So go on a date with somebody that you ultimately feel sexually attracted to. Tip number six. But in saying all that, looks aren't everything. Yes, looks are important, but looks aren't everything. There's ultimately an inner beauty that you need to look out for as well. And I think there's a difference between sexy and attraction. For example, there are a lot of women that I find physically alluring. A variety of types of women. Lots of good-looking people out there. But there are also a lot of women that I've known that have been very physically alluring that when I got to know them on a personal level, they lacked inward beauty. And while that outward beauty draws us in, inner beauty is going to be what ultimately keeps us around. And those women, they may have that physical beauty that attracts you to them. But if they don't have that inner beauty, you're eventually going to find their outward beauty repulsive. And you won't find them attractive. Just think of all the various Hollywood people out there that you might know of in the highlights, in, in, in the limelight, in the news, who, who you know them to be a gorgeous person. Like, let's take uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, for example. Great headlines right there. We all know who Johnny Depp and Amber Heard are. They've been some of the most physically beautiful people on the face of the earth in Hollywood. And there's always been this just aura about who these people are. They're very, very physically gorgeous people. But if you got to listen to any of the divorce trial of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, <laughs> there's kind of this, you know, very sickening thing happening in that world with them. Then you just realize like, oh, you know, and that's where that entire hot and crazy scale thing goes on. If you haven't looked up the hot and crazy scale, look it up on YouTube sometime. It's, uh, it's pretty funny. But you want to be careful with who you date. Don't just go for the people who are physically attractive. Yes, you want somebody who you feel physically attracted to. But ultimately, it's going to be the inward beauty 
that keeps you around, and it's going to be the inward beauty that endures the length of a loving marriage and relationship until our last days as we draw our final breaths. Tip number seven. Now this, you know, almost seems like it almost doesn't need to be said, but it, it should be because I feel like we often mess up in this area. But tip number seven. Be attracted to the people who are also attracted to you. Let me say that again for the kids in the back. Be attracted to those that are also attracted to you. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. You deserve to have somebody that's enthusiastically into you. And have some self-respect. You don't want to be anybody's plan B. And you don't want to be anybody's backup boyfriend. You want to be somebody's first choice. You want to be somebody who is desired above all others. And that's not going to happen unless you're attracted to those who are also attracted to you. So don't sit there and meet some beautiful girl and fall in love with her and allow her to misuse you and mistreat you and and lead you all around like some sort of sick puppy. If she's not also interested in you back, because that's just going to set you up for a world of hurt and probably also a much lighter pocketbook (laughs) at the end of the day. Tip number eight, make a list of green flags and red flags. Green flags being good virtues that I'm looking for in a person and red flags being things that will tend to be deal breakers if there's more than one of them. Look for both in a person when you go out with them. Look for their green flags and look for their red flags. But with that said, don't just treat the person as a checklist. Keep, the, that, keep in mind that these green flags and red flags are meant to be guideposts for you. Objective measures by which you can sit there and say that you are genuinely dating somebody that you're compatible with and that was ultimately a good match for you and that other people in your family and friend group would see as a good match for you. You're ultimately dating a human being in the image of God, so you have to be willing to have some slight flexibility on some of these issues, and you have to realize that all people are flawed and all people have shortcomings, and nobody has a perfect story. There are no perfect people out there. So you should keep in mind some red flags, But you should also look for the positive and look for those green flags. Look for the thing that makes that person an excellent person because that's going to be the person you fall in love with at the end of the day. Ultimately here, stick to your guns. Trust your values. Trust your belief systems. Trust your family. Trust your instincts. And have a list of green flags and red flags and prioritize identifying those green flags and red flags and another person when you go out with them. Tip number nine, always find out about that person's family history and their past relationships. If they have a very broken and dramatic family life, definitely be aware that you might be getting involved with somebody that has some psychological attachment disorders and who brings dysfunctional relationship skills to the table. And if they say nothing but bad things about their ex and don't have a history of stable, loving relationships that 
just didn't work out, then the odds are this person, you know, if all they can sit there and do is badmouth their exes and all their exes were toxic jerks and, and, and terrible people, and they can sit there and say, well, I believe all my exes were narcissistic idiots, well, then the odds are that that person was probably the actual major source of the problems in their other relationships. So if they all say that their exes were narcissistic jerks, realize they're just projecting and telling on themselves. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Those things are important. Family history, past relationship history. Uh, it's important that you get a basic understanding as much as possible early on in a, a possible dating relationship of these things regarding a person because a person is the sum of their past experiences. And I know we can't all choose our families. And, you know, there are some people born to terrible parents. There's some good people born to terrible parents out there. Um, but, and we can't all come from wonderful homes like I came from. But, you know, with that said, take it with a grain of salt. Give some people some grace uh, regarding broken relationships and dysfunctional family life. But do realize what you're getting involved with. If you are getting involved with somebody who doesn't have a stellar family or past relationship history. Um, because I learned the hard way that uh, dating somebody who has nothing but toxic bad boyfriends that came before you. Um, they're going to try you on for size at some point. Because uh, they're going to want to sit down and have babies and get married and that sort of thing. And they're going to want to try to make an honest woman of themselves and to redeem their past. Uh, but consider that a huge red flag because that sort of thing will end up coming to bite you in the butt. Um, when, uh, when all of a sudden they want to revert back to the average person that they used to date before you. Ask me how I know this. I can tell you scary stories. <laughs> uh, point number 10. Don't suffer from what people have called one-nightus. One-nightus meaning, she's the one, man. Don't go into every relationship and every date person you date uh, thinking, oh man, she's the one. Don't get one-nightus. Remember, like I said earlier, without being copy, without being cocky, you are the prize. Be confident in what you bring to the table and don't operate with a scarcity mindset. Well, you know, while it that be said, it may be hard to find a really good person out there that's going to meet all your criteria. Hopefully, if you're not just cycling through person after person and you're actually taking your time to carefully screen everybody that you potentially go out with before you go out with them, um, you know, hopefully that'll keep you from just becoming some desperate fool who falls in love with every woman he meets. Um, don't operate with the scarcity mindset. Don't be afraid to walk away. But at the same time, don't be afraid to go all in. Don't hold back. Tip number 11. Don't tolerate ghosting or being stood up tardiness or otherwise rude social behavior. Likewise, don't practice these things yourself. Treat others like you wanted to be treated and demand a basic levels of respect and manners and show people the same basic levels 
of respect and manners that you demand of them. While you should be gracious to permit for circumstances beyond somebody's control, for why maybe they showed up late or had to reschedule or something like that, someone that's showing signs of flaking out on you is probably really not all that interested because if they were, they would be there. Or perhaps they aren't a really a mature adult. Or, truth be told, when a female friend of mine asked me uh, not too long ago about uh, being stood up half a dozen times, um, I said to her, the only reason a guy stands up a woman is because you're the potential side chick. I'm just going to put that one out there. That one's for free, folks. So don't be anyone's potential side chick. Uh, don't be somebody who tolerates ghosting or practices ghosting. If you, if you aren't interested in somebody, just let them know. It's okay. It's okay to give, go on a date with somebody, then to message them afterwards, hey, I had a great time, but I don't think we're a good match. Best wishes to you. Be polite. Treat others like you want to be treated. Don't stand people up. Don't be late. Don't be rude. And don't accept that from other people because if they're that way on their first date, a date in which they should be putting their absolute best foot forward, man, if that's what their first date's like, can you imagine what a relationship's going to be like with him? It's going to be a train wreck. Tip number 12, guys, pay for the first date. And you know, honestly, if there's a second date, be prepared to pay for that one as well. But beyond that, everybody needs to go Dutch. Uh, and I would encourage you, make an effort to go out with somebody at least two or three times. I talked about on my previous podcast how it seems like we're very much into one and done dates these days. Whereas over 10 years ago when I was dating online, um, it was very common for me to go on at least two or three different dates with any woman I went out with. Um, whether I met them online or in person. Uh, that seems a lot more rare these days. And some of that may be due to the age. You know, I'm 40 years old. Most of the women I've gone on dates with are in their early to mid-30s, some a little bit older. Um, and maybe they can feel like they can quickly judge and assess somebody's character on a first date before they're ready to move on. Um, but in truth, you know, let's try to pull back on this online dating thing to where we make these knee-jerk reactions um, you know, meeting somebody the old-fashioned way takes a little bit longer to get to usually feel that chemistry and that spark and realize that there's a good match there and it's just not instantly falling in love on the first date or the first time you meet them. There's usually repeated processes and exposures and steps and things you experience with that person before you decide, hey, this is my person. Um, so I would encourage you, whenever possible, go on at least two or three dates with somebody. Of course, they may not be willing to do that and you can't control that. Um, but uh, see if maybe you can't even set that up as in your conversation as an expectation of going out on a date. Be like, listen, I want to have a simple coffee date just to get to know each other at first. Uh, but after that, I would really like to plan for a second date so that can we have can really have another opportunity uh, to really know each other. If you can set that up, you might have better chances with that. Well, that's going to be a challenge because so many people are just for the one and done dates and trying to figure out everything within a, a 30 to 60 minute to two hour long uh, exposure to one another. Um, but you know, if you aren't interested in a second date, let them know. Don't just ghost them and disappear. Unless they're crazy, then you can disappear. <laughs> uh, like the woman who, you know, threatened to make me her slave for uh, having my babies 
um, and wrecking her vagina. <laughs> you know, uh, that lady, I didn't even respond to anymore. I just went home, unmatched her, and that was that. Final tip. Tip number 13, inspired by the last story. Keep cash on you so you can dine and dash if necessary. And by dine and dash, I don't mean run away and not pay the bill. I mean, take some money out of your billfold, put it on the table, say, thank you for taking the time to meet me, but I don't think we're going to be a good match at this point, and I just want to go ahead and cut my losses. And then just walk away um, and don't owe any further explanations or anything beyond that. So, <laughs> everybody, this has been another long podcast, episode 172, How Online Dating is Ruining Dating and Tips for Dating. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Hope you got some great stories out of it. Hope you've enjoyed my theories, and I hope you've enjoyed my dating tips. I think that's all I'm going to have to say about dating for some time uh, on this podcast, but I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, as well as the last one, if you haven't listened to episode 171 at jimmystable.com, um, in which I talk about uh, being single again over 40 and the challenges and blessings associated with that. So everybody, if you've enjoyed that podcast and this podcast, I'd love your feedback. Email me, jimmy at jimmystable.com, or you can provide your feedback on Facebook and Twitter, for which there are links to Facebook and Twitter at jimmystable.com. Um, if you haven't had the chance to subscribe to jimmystable.com and so you can hear all the latest, greatest episodes as they come out, go to jimmystable.com slash subscribe and find your favorite way to subscribe, whether that's through Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or the many other ways, including old-fashioned email newsletters. And if you haven't had a chance to, uh, give a glowing five-star review yet, highly encourage you to, to say, you know, Jimmy, what a guy. I see he's such a catch. Uh, he's got amazing things to say. I hope he finds another wife one day. Go go to go to Apple, go to Spotify, and all the other places you can leave glowing five-star reviews and say, Hoorah, Jimmy, you're the best. Uh, awesome podcast. Well done. So everybody, this is with Jimmy Humphrey, jimmystable.com, where I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. Take care, everybody. God bless, and have a good one. That's all I have to say about that. That's so right on, man. You said it all. <laughs>